Hello, my friends. You already know what time it is. Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Corner Podcast, the show where I bring on guests from all different backgrounds to talk all the things mental health. I'm, of course, your host, Sherry Poppin, and today I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Sherry Edwards. Sherry is a nutrition coach who uses her experience and knowledge to help Masters athletes increase their performance and drop their body fat. Sherry was such a blast to have on, and I really want to thank her again for coming on and having this super important discussion with me. It was a great one to really get all these questions that I was afraid of asking to anyone else answered, you know, like what is a calorie and you know, what's a good nutrition plan, blah, 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 all these things and such great important topics for, you know, athletes and just people in general. So this is a great discussion that you definitely don't want to miss. And before we get into the episode today, guys, you know, the drill, if you're listening, please like, comment, share, subscribe, give five stars. If you're on that podcast platform, share someone who might want to hear this episode. It's a really great one. And I can't wait for you to listen. I'll talk to y'all very soon. Have a great rest of your day. Peace. Good to go. Sherry, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So why nutrition coaching? Like what got you inspired to go down that route? Uh, I think it's just felt natural for me because fitness and um, food have always been things that I've been passionate for most of my life. Um, I love food and I know that you know, when you love food excessively, sometimes it can be really difficult to kind of find that balance. So it kind of became my mission to kind of help people understand that you could make really healthy food choices, but like not feel like you're eating cardboard. Mm. So that kind of became my mission to, to kind of educate people that look, you can still eat a donut, you can still eat a pizza, you just have to balance out these food choices. Um, and depending on what your goals are, maybe you can make better food choices and make kind of a lower energy dense, you know, version of your favorite food, so to speak. Right. When people, when people hear like pizza and donuts, their eyes perk up. They're like, what are you talking about? Like why? I thought you were a nutrition coach. Why are you telling me I can eat pizza? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Often. And I think the, the other way is kind of like when I tell people it's okay to kind of drink a diet Coke every once in a while, or, you know, it's, it's okay to, to, you know, whatever, do this every once in a while. And people are like, but yeah, exactly. As you say, you're a nutrition coach and you actually encourage people to eat sugar or do this and that. I'm like, I do. And I think it depends on the person that you're talking to and it depends on what their goals are. So, you know, as a nutrition coach, the the goal will always be overall health. So if somebody comes to me and they have, you know, lived the last five years on a very restrictive diet, then then yes, for that particular person, I would probably say eat the pizza, eat the donut because it's okay. So for them, it's more about opening up and, 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 you know, educating them that there aren't any foods that they cannot eat. There aren't any foods that they, they shouldn't eat, you know, assuming they don't have any food allergies and intolerances. Um, And for someone else who maybe already has a good relationship with food, but just needs to understand that, maybe, you know, deep frying everything is probably not a a good idea. You know, as I said, it just depends on the person, depends what their goals are. And it depends on what their past relationship with food has been like, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, man. I, as a kid, you keep talking about like your relationship with food and the past relationship. As a kid, I, 
I loved food and I'm sure you can relate to that. And my family used to call me the garbage man because they would just give me all their leftovers. And so I never really had a great relationship with food um, just because I, I just loved it. I didn't know how to stop. Yeah. Now, when, when we're talking about good and bad types of food, like, is there a harm in labeling food as good or bad? I, I absolutely think so. Yes. And, and that's such an excellent question because you see it everywhere, you know, you see it on social media, you see it everywhere. And and these are people who are professionals that, you know, are supposed to be encouraging us to have a balanced diet. There are so many influencers out there that are, are saying that if you eat a Snickers bar, you should be doing a hundred burpees or um, that you have to earn your your donut or, or that food is good and food is bad. And I think that what happens when you start to label food as good and bad is that you create this sense of, well, I have to earn the food or if I eat it, I should feel guilty and therefore I am not all of these things that I want to be. I'm not, um, I am not an attractive wife. I am not you know, I am not a mother that's able to to do a million things like all of the, you know, the other women I see on school runs that they still look fit and they still look this and that, or I'm not a good athlete. You start to, it sounds innocent enough when you start with, I'm going to eat this good food, I'm going to eat this bad food, but it can pretty much snowball into um, potentially disordered eating habits, which, which I do see, and it can be very heartbreaking. Right. Just full-blown shame for eating like a slice of pizza. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then what that usually does is that because in your head, this is just basic psychology. If you say to yourself, I shouldn't eat that food, one slice of pizza turns into one entire pizza, turns into two pizzas. And then, well, you know, you get the, I fell off the wagon. There wasn't ever a wagon in the first place. But when people feel like they fell off the wagon, they're like, oh, well, I might as well just eat the donuts and the ice cream and then spend the entire weekend eating whatever I want. And then diet starts on Monday, you know, the hashtag yep. diet starts on Monday. And then, so it's like this vicious cycle of trying to be perfect Monday through to Friday and then falling off the wagon over the weekend. There was no wagon. You know, if you ate the pizza during the week, eat, eat the pizza on a Tuesday, you know, does, does pizza have to be a Friday food? Um, you know, there, there are no food rules really. You want, you want a sense of balance so that you don't have to feel guilty eating anything or feel, feel like you are, above someone else because you ate kale. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. I've done that. I put a kale in like a smoothie <laughs> and I'm like, I am so above you guys. I am better than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you, did, did you ever have, um, I don't want to say a negative relationship, but like a misunderstood relationship with food in your own experience? I had a full blown negative relationship with food um, when I was younger. So, I mean, I don't know how much you know about the Asian culture, but it's very, very fat phobic. Mm. Um, and I, in the UK, I'm like a size eight, creeping up to a size 10 now. And back home, so that's kind of like a, a medium, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, back home, I, I don't, I think people find it difficult to believe me. They're like, no, you're exaggerating. I go home and I barely fit in an extra large size in Asia. And it's very uncomfortable. Like I can't wear anything that doesn't stretch. And I am not a big person. But, um, you know, back home, it's like if you're not super petite and you don't fall into their kind of, you know, little mini categories of what men should look like, what women should look like, 
um, you know, it, you, you get labeled as something or whatever it is. And oftentimes those labels carry on with you. You know, you may have heard these things talked about or described, you know, to you when, when you were a teenager, but you do carry those things forward. And it took, it took a long time to kind of break away from that. And I do even find now every once in a while, you know, in a blue moon, sometimes it creeps back in. So I, I feel the need to, to be really transparent about it, that people are like, wow, you must have a perfect relationship with food because you coach, you're a nutrition coach. And I'm just like, no, I want to be able to be transparent. So I feel the need to just say this right now, that I don't have a perfect relationship with food. I will sometimes get that moment where I will look at myself and go, hmm, if only, or I wish, right? Yeah. Because because no one can be 100% happy with their bodies all the time. I mean, if they can, if that person even exists, good for them. But most of us, we get moments of self-doubt. Hmm. Yeah, th that's the other misunderstanding is that once you finally get that self-love that you're looking for, that self-acceptance, then it's going to be around all the time. All, all the time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you wake up it's and like you're like, It's like healing from mental health and then like, from there to, to, you know, never, ever have a moment of, of sadness or anxiety. It's kind of like, it's kind of like people don't think about mental health as it's not the same thing as like a physical health. You know, when you see somebody break a leg and it's like, it's a big deal. And because it's tangible, you can see it, but it's like, it's like scar tissue of the mind. It's mm. always there, you know, but unless you, you show it to the world, people don't see it. So I think it's really important to understand, like, like you said, that even though you have reached a point where you are happy and you feel like you have healed from it, um, it can rear its ugly head. And I think it's really important to have that awareness and also be okay with it. Don't beat yourself up about it when it does creep back in. Just be like, oh, okay, there it is. It's right there. What's going on in my life that's causing that to kind of appear? You know, it might not even be anything specifically related to the food or your body. It could just be the other stressors in your life, but for whatever reason, you're finding that connection. And that, that happens, that happens a lot. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting when you're talking about how, when you go back home, you can't fit into anything because in, in, in over here in Canada and the States, if we go to Europe, it's the exact same thing. Like I can't fit into anything that's like a media or a large, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, cause here I'm a large, like I fit pretty well in a large and then I get to Europe and I'm like, none of this fits. And then you just yeah, go yeah. down that cycle where you're like, did, did I gain a lot of weight on the plane ride? Like what just yeah. happened? Yeah. Yeah. I think cultural differences, that's, that's a huge factor in, in, um, you know, labeling things as well. Like whether it's, uh, a, a small person or a big person or whatever, whatever these labels are. Like, I think these, they're, they're very, I'm going to say cultural dependent. Hmm. So, yeah. Right. Now I know a little bit about um, the Asian culture. Cause I have friends who like when they gained weight, their parents would be like, you're way too fat. And I, I would be sitting like, Oh my God, <laughs> you just, you just flat <laughs> out call them that. Like that's, that's not yeah. fair. Now, is there a yeah. reason that there is like, there is that kind of difference. <laughs> Gosh, Harry, is there a reason? I would love for there to be a reason. I would love, um, I, I, I don't know. I feel like, 
you know, you've probably heard of the concept of like the tiger mom. And mm. I think that there is this, you grow up and I don't know if this is a reason, but this is what it's like growing up in Asia and having Asian parents is that you have to always strive for perfection. Perfectionism is gosh, so damaging, right? Like right. It, you see it here in the West as well. But in Asia, it's like, you've got to be, you've got to look a certain way. You've got to have a certain um, uh, body fat percentage. You've got to, you know, have the you fit in the specific clothes. You've got to have these grades. And so it just becomes the norm. Your children have to behave a certain way. I don't know what the reason is. I just think, you know, we go back to culture. It's just a cultural thing. And it is very, very not just acceptable, but almost encouraged for you to, to, to like body shame someone when they, if they don't look a specific way, like you can actually call someone, um, I'm gonna say in Thai now, eat one, which in like a uh, direct translation of that would be fatty. You can actually go around the street calling people, not just fat or overweight. You can say, hey fatty. And mm. that is completely acceptable. And I have made it very clear to, to my parents that when I visit, I'm like, look, I don't want any of that talk because I've got yeah. two children and I have a daughter and she's eight and she spends a fair amount of time on YouTube. So I see some of the stuff that she's already watching. She's watching little girls get dressed up, you know, doing their nails. And so she understands, you know, social norms or whatever it is. And she understands that, okay, little girls want to start to look pretty and they should care about their clothes. And so because she's got that understanding and, and she understands how she wants to present herself to the world. I make it very clear that if we talk about the body ever, it's always about what the body is able to do and how it functions rather than what it looks like. And both my husband and I are so careful with how we approach things because I grew up in a completely different um, environment and I just don't wanna bring that in to, to my family. Right. I was actually just going to ask because I don't have kids, so I, I have no idea how it goes. But like on the topic of like nutrition and body image and everything, like how do you even bring that up to a kid? Like how, what's the appropriate way to even make that conversation happen? You know, I wish I had the answer to that because different parents will do different things. Like I know moms that, um, you know, will only let their kids have um, vegetables and don't let their kids have sugar and, you know, respect to them. But for me as a nutrition coach, the whole like good food versus bad food has always been ingrained in my children. I'm like, it's not good. It's not bad. It is just, I will give them the facts. So my little girl absolutely loves McDonald's. So I'm like, okay, if you want to eat McDonald's, um, let's think about what is in the food. You can have McDonald's. I will, you know, drive her to it and it's fine, but I will say, okay, so as opposed to a home cooked meal, the home cooked meal is probably going to have more nutrients in it than the McDonald's. And then we'll talk about why, but it's mm -hmm. never, no, you can't eat that. And it's just, for me, it's just about educating them. And we used to have this rule where it's like only chips on the Friday. And then I realized I'm like, I didn't want to create food rules. So now it's kind of like, okay, you can eat whatever you want within reason, but I ask you to do two things that you notice when you're full, you notice when you're hungry and that you eat slow. So we have little, we still have kind of rules, you know, like if they're gonna eat like a bag of chips or something, I'm like, don't eat it straight out of the bag, eat it from a bowl. So it's kind of controlled and they're very mindful in, in their actions. 
Um, but yeah, I do try to be really careful with the, this is good and this is bad. It's more, I try to be as factually honest as possible as I can, you know, I mean, I've got my biases, but, um, yeah, you've just got to be aware, I guess. Right. Yeah. I always found that the really strict rules were the ones that like made me want to rebel the hardest. Like, yeah. cause I, I was a swimmer and they were like, you can't eat this, this or that. And I'm like, I crave literally I all three it. of those now. <laughs> like yeah. I need, I need yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. We spilled chocolate, um, in our house. And I specifically remember this. We spilled, it's, it's really hot in Thailand. So we, the chocolate melted and we spilled it down the stairs and it just like oozed all the way down the oh, stairs. Man. And my dad was like, that is it. You are never allowed to eat chocolate ever again. And it was a year of no chocolate. I felt oh. like it was such a dark period in my life. Oof. And I remember thinking, I just, my sister and I both, we just kept thinking about how much we wanted chocolate. And that is human psychology. It's just, as you said, if, if you list the things that you shouldn't eat or the things that you feel like, if you eat this, you are a failure. You are not a good athlete. You are not going to lose weight. You're a da -da -da. You create all these rules. You're going to want to eat them. Even if you go on a transformation diet or like a 12 week plan or whatever it is where you've given up all your foods and you're like, look, I'm so slim now, or I'm so shredded, this and that you get to the end. The thing that you are going to want to eat are those things that you've given up. So I say, as you know, what I do for a living is let's just be reasonable. If you like your beers and your wine and your chocolates, whatever it is, your fun foods, let's just call them, just dot that around your diet. There's no need to give it up. But how about we add more whole foods into your, you know, repertoire? Mm -hmm. How do you feel about like calorie counting and stuff like that? That's um, a really good question. And also a very, very complex one to answer because there isn't a right or wrong approach. And when it comes to weight loss or weight control, calories will always matter, but whether or not a person has to count calories is dependent on so many things, whether that is going to do their mental health any good or whether they understand enough um, to stay consistent or whether they actually need to count calories. So you can lose weight and you can be in great shape and really good health without ever understanding the concept of calories and ever counting calories. But that person who has a healthy um, weight probably is staying within the caloric um, recommendation for their body type anyway, but they don't have to understand the concept of calorie counting or they don't ever have to count calories. So counting calories can be a helpful tool if for whatever reason you need to lose weight or if you want to lose weight, but if you already have a pretty reasonable relationship with food and with your body, it can help. But let's just say for someone who has been on a restrictive diet um, for years and the thought of seeing, you know, gosh, I can't stand my fitness pal. Um, the thought <laughs> of seeing the my fitness pal numbers enter the red and your brain going, oh no, I'm mm -hmm. eating 10 calories over the entire day. If that is doing you more damage than good, you probably shouldn't be counting calories. And same goes for macros. So I get people saying, yeah, but your company is called Munchies and Macros. 
yes, it is called mentions and macros because ultimately when it comes to working with athletes, because that is what I do, they do have to understand that increasing carbohydrates, which is a macronutrient, is going to help them recover better. It's going to help them train better. It's going to help them with their body composition. It's going to help them sleep better. So many different things. These are the benefits. But do you need to excessively track your macros and your calories and weigh every single thing to see results? No, you don't. Right. I used to I used to do my fitness pal because um I mean there was one summer where I was like I'm going to lose a ton of weight and be the best swimmer ever and then I didn't have any energy to be the best swimmer ever after but I I would use my fitness pal and then there would be days where I'd be in the red so I was like oh maybe I'll just lie so that I stay in the green it's like what is the <laughs> point then what the app doesn't know is it true <laughs> yeah yeah yes. so, so stupid no. But I ask because um, there there was this controversy recently, and I don't know if this was just the states because here in Canada we've always had this, but they were implementing the calorie number on the menus at like restaurants okay. and stuff. And here we've always had it. So well, as long as I can remember, we've always had it. So I never thought anything of it. But then the discussion came about like, you know, if you if you have that eating disorder or you have severe body dysmorphia or anything, then it can prove very harmful. And I, I mean, I, I don't know where I sit because, you know, for me personally, I, I've never had an eating disorder, thankfully. Um, I do have body dysmorphia and I struggle with that most days. So I do see the harm in it. And I was just wanting like your opinion as to like, is there more harm than good for putting that on the menu? I don't think that I can answer with... Um... A definite yes or no. I think that it depends on the person. And I mm -hmm. think for sure it can be damaging if you already um, are very concerned about how much food you're eating and you don't want to be in the sort of red zone and you feel like overeating instead of making you just be aware and going, oh, okay, I should probably choose a salad, you know, versus a pizza. Instead of just being able to make that mindful shift, you go, oh no, I'm a bad person. I'm fat. I'm never going to feel normal again. I might as well just have a milkshake and this and that. And so you you get this sort of all or nothing mentality. And so it for people like that, it can be harmful. I definitely agree with that. But I think for people who um, have a pretty good relationship with food. They just enjoy eating and at the same time probably have to control their overall consumption. For them, I think on an educational value of it, it can be helpful in bringing that awareness. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a tricky question and it is very controversial because um, if you're constantly counting calories and you're caring too much about what you're eating instead of it giving you the results you want, you know, you're going to go the other way. You're going to rebel and overeat. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult one. Right. This is, this is such a stupid question, but like, what even is a calorie? Like, I don't even know what it is. So a calorie is the energy it takes to raise a kilogram of water by one degree Celsius. So, um, it is, it's the representation of, of energy. Um, you know, how energy, you know, we know in high school physics that energy cannot be created and it cannot be destroyed. Energy just moves around. Mm. It kind of gets transferred. So energy from food, which is represented in um, calories, gets consumed and it either gets used as a swimmer or an, as an athlete. Or if, you know, you're like a, a dad who has a nine to five job and you're eating 
like a huge meal and then you're just sat at the desk, it turns into excess energy, which is then stored in its most like efficient uh, way of storing, which then just turns into body fat. So that's what a calorie is. So a calorie isn't bad. Your body needs energy. It just depends on how that energy you're consuming from food is then being absorbed into your body. Is it being um, expended out into physical energy or are you just holding it onto your body? Right. I think that's another reason for people that I know anyway, like why there's such a weird relationship or misunderstood relationship with food is that Mm. like, I mean, I don't, I can't think of any one of my friends that genuinely probably knows what an actual calorie is. I think we just think it's like a thing like, oh, this, <laughs> yeah. like this, this, it's just something in food. Yeah. It's just yeah. A, like this pasta is like, I don't know, let's say like 500 calories. So you're like, you, I think for me, I think of like 500 little dots and I'm like, oh, they're just stuck <laughs> yeah. in me now. Like, I don't even know what <laughs> like, molecules and atoms. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know how <laughs> I just never yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's funny you say that because it can become very, you know, there was this meme that was funny at the time when I was very deep in my disordered eating behaviors, but now I think is not funny. Um, there was a meme that said, it was uh, for macro counters. It said, I don't eat food. I just eat numbers now, you know? Mm. And it, it was the joke of basically, whatever I can fit in my macros, that's what I'm gonna eat. I don't care if it's made out of like Lucky Charms or Snickers, I'm gonna eat that. And that is the other side of macro counting that can be dangerous because the people just want to fit what they can fit in for the sake of counting macros, you know, and that's, that's not, that's not the point. If you're focusing on counting macros just for the sake of fitting the numbers in like a game of Tetris, you're totally missing the whole point. You know, I use macronutrients as a tool to educate my followers because I still coach so many people that are scared of eating carbs. You know, so that's on like another level of like disordered eating where they will completely not eat any rice, not eat um, no processed foods, no sugars, no rice, no breads, no pastas, because they think that that's going to make them fat. So for me, I'll be like, okay, well, let's start from the beginning. What is a macronutrient? Carbohydrate is a macronutrient. Carbs scientifically is proven to actually increase performance for athletes. So, you know, I use that as a tool to educate rather than let's use this to help you lose weight. So it's not like that. Right. Yeah. I, um, because swimmers are big into carbs. So like, that's all we ate. But I remember I hired a trainer one summer because I wanted to take my fitness to the next level. And most summers swimmers just eat and don't work out and gain weight and then come back and lose it all. But, uh, my trainer gave me a diet plan and there wasn't a single carb in it. It was all protein. And I was like, um, can I have a little (laughs) bit of carbs? And he's like, you want to win, don't you? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, no carbs. I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> Even in like your training like periods? Yeah. No, it was he like in fairness, I don't think they had ever been a trainer for a swimmer before. I think it was okay. always like power lifters, but okay. still like, yeah, I feel like there's got to be some carbs in there. I felt yeah. it. And just yeah. moral of the story is I felt it. You will for sure. Yeah, you'll bonk out. Yeah. Mm. Now, you you coach a lot of athletes um, on nutrition. And I just wanted to know, like, what are some of the, like, biggest, 
misunderstandings or misconceptions that athletes have about their relationship with food? Um, so misunderstandings about food or misunderstandings about their actual relationship with food, like let's, actual relationship with food. Let's go with actual relationship. Okay. So I think that most people don't realize that they do have some disordered eating behaviors. Hmm. And so I feel the need to clarify disordered eating behaviors is not the same thing as an eating disorder, right? So that's like, that would actually need um, a diagnosis. Disordered eating behaviors are things like eating to fix a problem, but eating ends up causing the problem or eating in a way that doesn't align with the physiological needs of the body, meaning eating way past the point of full or under eating even when you're hungry, right? right. Or eating in a way that makes you value or see your self-worth in your food choices. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about um, disordered eating behaviors. And so what is the common um, misunderstanding or misconception that athletes have about the relationship with food is that most of them don't realize that they have some of these um, behaviors. And so it's kind of, you know, I, I'm never going to work with someone to say, you have these. So it's just kind of having those conversations saying, okay, well, how do you feel on a Friday when you've eaten, um, let's say a pizza, you know, and usually the answer is something like, I feel, I feel pretty rubbish. I feel like I shouldn't have eaten it. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty disappointed in myself. And so the next question is, okay, well, why are you disappointed in yourself? Because they feel like that is a bad food and that's something that they shouldn't eat. And it therefore is now going to wreck whatever progress they've made in their training, or it's going to make them gain excessive weight, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. That I've heard that a lot. And I felt that too, is when you eat like, I don't know, a burger or something. And you're like, all the training I've done up to this point has just been thrown away. <laughs> yeah. in one burger. I'm like, <laughs> oh, not really. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's a perfect example. So I like to just flip that a little bit and I'll say, okay, let's just say you have spent Monday through, let's just say you've just spent the last seven days eating processed food, like super processed food. Let's just say you ate McDonald's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you did that every single day for seven days. And let's just say on day eight, you suddenly decided that you're going to eat a bowl of salad. My question to you is, do you think that bowl of salad is going to reverse what you've spent the entire week doing? And they're like, no, of course not. I'm like, okay, so now look at it the other way. If you spent the whole week eating relatively good food, balanced diet, whole foods, and you've just eaten one burger, why do you think that one burger is going to undo everything you've done all week? And they're like, oh yeah, right? <laughs> because we as humans like to think that we're so easily damaged. We're like that one meal, that's it. And we like to think in the all or nothing mentality you know, it's like, there's no, there's no gray area. It's either I'm being perfect and I'm hitting all of my goals or I'm just going to be absolute trash. Right. How do you, how do you get out of that mindset? Because I feel like that's ingrained pretty hard. It is. Yeah. It takes practice. And the easiest way I can talk about that is as if you're talking about a skill like swimming, right? 
you can't just, unless you were born being an amazing swimmer, but most people have to learn a skill and they have to practice it a few times a week or every day, depending on when that skill is. And you have to slowly work at it to get really good. Eating, practicing good eating behaviors is a set of skills. Just like you have to work on a, a group of muscles to get stronger, or just like, you know, it's a skill learning how to swim or, you know, getting underneath that barbell in Olympic lifting. It is a skill that has to be practiced over and over and over again. It's about practicing good habits. And most of all, it's about being aware of what's happening. Because if you don't have that awareness, you can't change it. You have to be aware of it first. So this is where all of the, you know, like hippy dippy stuff comes in, like the, the, the mindfulness, the journaling, the, the meditation, all of that stuff there is actual science behind it. You know, let's just say I, I don't actually, I struggle with meditation because I can't sit still, but I do do things like practice mindfulness, like trying to be aware of, of what my thoughts are or, or journaling. That's another really good one. But essentially knowing what you were thinking and knowing what you were doing at the time is going to help you make better choices. Even if you're like, look, I want to smash that whole bag of Cheetos. At least you're aware of the thought pattern that's going on. And you're like, okay, I'm going to make this decision. And I'm going to eat it. And I'm okay with that as opposed to just going head first straight into it. And then you're like, oh, I ate the whole bag. You know, there's no closure. Right. You didn't realize you reached the bottom of the bag, you reach your hand in and it's gone. You're like, I didn't even realize that because there was no awareness. So, you know, awareness is, is something that I talk about in my coaching all of the time. It is how do you unpack that? How do you change that mindset to, you know, as you say, it's so ingrained in us, like the, the all or nothing mentality, it takes practice and it can take, sometimes it can take months, sometimes it can take years. And, you know, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, sometimes it might even rear its ugly head and that's okay. Just be aware of that. Right. Yeah, man, it's so hard. Another, yeah. another thing I, I, another topic that I really wanted to focus on was goal weight. And I think we mentioned this in our pre-call, you know, before, mm -hmm. but what's, what, what are the, what's the negative for setting your goal as a weight as opposed to anything else? Um, so having external goals can be helpful when you need um, markers, mm -hmm. you need to kind of have something to measure up to see where you're getting up to. You know, it's kind of like if you're, you're swimming and you want to know whether your performance has increased, you need to time your swim. So is my butterfly stroke as fast or faster than it was last month? So having that external measurement is sometimes helpful, but if you don't work on the intrinsic factors, meaning, well, how am I feeling about myself? as I move towards that outcome goal, that measurement, if you don't focus on what you can control, getting to the other end is when it can potentially be damaging. So I tell people it's okay to have a weight goal. If let's just say I want to lose X amount of weight by this amount of time, it's absolutely okay because ultimately when you have goals, they need to be specific, they need to be measurable and they need to be time bound. When you say, I just wanna lose weight, that's when it gets really hard because well, you want to lose how much weight and by when, because if you don't make it measurable and specific, you're going to keep moving that goalpost. So you should have something that is measurable at the end. 
right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you want to be focusing on the mastering of the skills. So what are you actually doing to move the needle to get you towards that final goal? Are you eating your vegetables? Are you eating your, your protein? Are you doing the mindset practices? Are you practicing being aware of your food choices? And I feel the need, I'm going to go off on a tangent here now. We're talking about body goals, like having a, a, a weight goal. I am personally not against at all. I'm not against people, um, you know, losing weight for just pure physique goals, right? So I, I always use this as an, as an example. I love my garden. I have a, a relatively big garden now, but there's like a lot of like brown bits to it. Mm -hmm. Like I love my garden, but just because I love my garden doesn't mean that I I'm okay with it and I don't want to improve it. I absolutely want to improve it. I look at the borders and there's not enough flowers. So I want to create a border and put more flowers in it. That is how I see um, physicals and aesthetic goals. And I think it's okay to have them if you truly love your body and you want to have goals, that's okay. When does that become damaging? It becomes damaging when you start comparing your garden to your neighbor's garden and you're uh -huh. like, oh, they have prettier flowers they have better trees and their lawn looks beautiful and mine looks terrible. And so you're forever trying to make yours better. That is when it becomes damaging. So if you truly ask yourself, am I improving my body for myself? And am I gonna get to the end and genuinely be happy with that? And am I enjoying the process? If you're not enjoying the process of prettying up your garden or, you know, like eating better and, and trying to lose weight, to get to the end, then again, you're missing the point. Right. Yeah. I find, I find a lot of people when I was in sport, a lot of people put their own value and self-worth on that number when they got on that scale. Yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking. And like, I, I told you this story already, but I'll share it for the audiences. Like we, we would, we would be preparing for a swim meet and we'd be at the pool ready to compete. And they had a scale at the, at one of the pools, which is, terrible but uh i would go on the scale and i'd be like okay if i'm this certain weight then i'm gonna race fine and if i'm heavier than that weight i'm in trouble and if i'm lighter then woo awesome i'm gonna swim faster than i thought i would yeah. regardless of how hard i trained for the whole year regardless of if i was feeling prepared or if everything was coming into alignment that day or if i had a good sleep didn't matter did not matter if that number is heavier than i thought it would be the the race is a mess and it's just, it, it's that confusing, you know, relationship with the number on the scale is like, like there's, you just put so much weight, I guess, for lack of a better term on that weight number. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that is something that you can't control. You cannot control what your body is going to suddenly do, right? Like maybe you had a couple beers the night before, or maybe you had a little bit too much salt that's all going to add up when you step onto it. So there are so many different ways to measure progress that is outside of that. I coach so many people and I'm like, you don't ever have to step onto the scale. They're like, well, how will I know? And for people who want to track it, I'm like, by all means, that's okay. But if, you know, if stepping on the scale and whatever number that is, if that is actually going to set the tone for the rest of the day, don't step on the scale. And they're like, well, how will I know I'm progressing? Okay, well, let's look at the things that you can track. There are things that you can physically track that, again, are ex external. And then there's also the internal stuff. So let's look at the internal stuff. Are you sleeping better? What's your mood like? What's your energy like? And can let's look at the external stuff. Well, what's your training like? Have you had any new PRs lately? Or are you feeling more tired? 
Um, are your clothes fitting better, right? So many different things that you can actually track that you don't ever need to step on the bathroom scale. It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've ruined a couple of days like that. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like I think a lot of athletes have because we put so much on our bodies, you know, physically and, and emotionally and mentally. And, and we just feel like we have to be the best version of ourselves. And, you know, if there's going to be anything that's going to hold us back, it's whatever, whatever we, we allow that to be, you know, like our food choices or, you know, what the weight is going to be. So I think it is much more common than, than people realize. Right. Yeah, definitely. Now, now let's say, let's say you've built that good relationship with food and that good relationship with yourself. You've built that self-worth, that self-love. You're like, Hey, all bodies are different. This is mine. Yada, yada. How do you keep pushing through when that ugly body dysmorphia comes back? Excellent question. And, uh, I think it all goes back to practice, practice, practice. So, you know, I, I'm a, I believe in, in journaling. I'm a journaler and, um, I, I probably shouldn't just journal when things get ugly. I should probably journal on like a daily basis anyway, but I do find when I'm a little bit too busy, I will journal when I notice like darker thoughts. So that's, that's a, that's a good way of doing it. Although it should probably be a little bit more, you know, daily or weekly practice, but, um, that's a good way of, of practicing whatever, um, strategies you have that help you bring awareness to your thoughts is, is always going to help. So I'd say just keep practicing. And if you can surround yourself with people that understand how to support you, that is equally going to be very, very helpful. Another one that I have found helpful in, um, both myself and the people that I work with is unfollow the people who no longer serve you. Like mm -hmm. even, even if, you know, you don't have to be aggressive about it. Even if the people that you have followed on social media don't mean anything by it. Sometimes it can kind of trigger feelings, you know, like I was following some incredible athletes that would on the daily do like body checks. So it was always like, I've just done an eight week cut, you know, and good for her. And she looked incredible. But when sometimes you see that on the daily, on your social media feed where people look incredible it does things to your head because then you start thinking, I need to look like that. So, you know, I say to people all the time, if there is something that is triggering to you, just silence it, just turn it off. You know, you can unfollow or you can just turn off the notifications so that it's not constantly there in your face, reminding you or making you think that you're only going to be worthy if you look like that, you know, and that goes the same for, for everybody, you know, like um, for motherhood as well. Like sometimes the kids are actually off school Today, today's like the last day. It's like Easter break. And I know I'm going to see all sorts of stuff like, you know, baking with the kids and, and art with the kids. And I know that a lot of the stuff is going to be triggering because I have to work through the holidays and I'm going to feel guilty. Mm. So whatever is triggering to you, just, just pause that notification because you don't need to see that. You don't need to be perfect in every aspect of your life. Right. Um, right. That's the yeah. beauty of the internet is you can just turn it off. Yeah. It's yeah. harder, hard, easier said than done, but you can. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Man. Um, and I guess, I guess on the other side of it, cause I, I was talking about a, someone with a good relationship experiencing bad thoughts, but for someone who wants to just start 
I, I don't want to say a diet, but like who wants to start building that healthy relationship with themselves and with food, where should they start that process? Um, eat what you enjoy. Don't give up the things that you do enjoy. Keep it simple. So when you're filling up your plate with food, start with the vegetables, fill up half the plate with vegetables, um, fill up a quarter of the plate with lean protein, and then the rest, your fats and your carbs and practice the bare essentials. Like there are two habits that I talk about all the time that are almost too simple. Most people don't practice it because it's just too simple, but they're very, very powerful. One of them is to eat slowly. And this is something that I myself am practicing because, you know, I, I told you I come from Thailand where it's like food capital of the world in Bangkok, where we're just constantly surrounded by food that looks good, smells good. Mm. And, you know, it's like in every family gathering. So eat slowly so that you are aware of the food that goes in your mouth, chew slowly, and that slow digestion is going to help you feel fuller. Um, and the other one is to simply stop when you're full. So easy, but so hard, right? right? Because especially when we eat, when we eat processed food. So I, I talk about Doritos because Doritos are literally like my downfall. If I see Doritos, I eat Doritos and I do not stop because the processed food, especially super heavily processed food, they're designed to be very hyper palatable. So when you eat it, it tastes amazing. We don't want to stop. But if we're more aware of our food choices, and we're also aware of how we feel around food, meaning if you're hungry, eat, and if you're full, stop, it'll actually your body has a, a natural way of, of managing its hunger. So just try to be aware when you're full, just stop. And if you can, obviously, surround your food choices with mostly whole foods, eating whole foods, um, you know, whole foods naturally are going to be a little bit lower in energy density anyway. Right. I think that's such a, I mean, that's such a common thought process is like, why does all the bad food taste so good? Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it is hard. It, it, they taste amazing. I just made a focaccia bread today. And I probably ate a little bit more than I needed to eat because it tasted amazing. And my husband said that too. He's like, gosh, why'd you have to make it taste so good? I'm like, yeah, sorry, oh, man. But yeah, processed food, it just tastes amazing. Yeah. It's Easter right now, obviously. Right. And my house is full of those eggs. Eggs? <laughs> chocolate oh, eggs? I oh my know. God. Love chocolate eggs. Do you um, have a favorite? It's the... <laughs> It's the Cadbury, like the, are they Cadbury? The little mini eggs? The little, oh my God. I could, I could They're clear so a bag. They're so good. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's yeah. impossible. Like. You just can't yeah. have one. I, yeah. No, why would you? Like it's, it's yeah, impossible. You're, you're like. so small. Yeah. You're like, I'm yeah. going to have one. And like then you, you finish. That, that totally is my favorite as well. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's brutal. Um, it's so good. Anyway, uh, where can my listeners find you, Sherry? Where can they find all your stuff? Um, so online, I'm at www.munchiesandmacros.com and I spend a lot of time on Instagram. So I've got, um, educational posts and videos. So I'm at munchies and macros, but with an underscore in between the words. I love it. I'll put those links down below. Sherry, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Thank you. And to all my listeners, I will see you guys next time.